Thank you for listening. This is Israel Rebound, a podcast joining Jews and others in Nebraska to Israel, exploring the ties that bind us through culture, identity, and current events. I'm Alan Padesh in Omaha, and I'm joined with my co-host, Liz Felstron in Jerusalem. Liz, how are you today? I am great this evening. Thanks for asking, and how are you? I'm doing great. I keep forgetting that you're so many hours ahead of me. Today, I'll keep the, reminding you yeah. by saying good evening. <laughs> uh, today, uh, we're going to touch on the topic that we've kind of been trying to address, and that's identity. And this past week, uh, we heard President uh, Herzog, Isaac Herzog, President of Israel, give a presentation to the Jewish Federations of North America's General Assembly, which is a gathering of 146 federations, both professionals and volunteers, who really come together once a year to learn from each other. And one of the opening presentations was by uh, the president, and he really made some comments that I found to be very, very inspiring, as you and I have been trying to address the challenge or the opportunity that we have between Jews in the diaspora, primarily America, and uh, Jews and Israelis in Israel, and the opportunity that we have to educate and build a stronger relationship. What kind of thoughts did you have by his talk? Yeah, so um, this is a topic that we've been thinking about. The difference, of course, being that President Herzog said it much more eloquently than we have until now, and absolutely put his finger exactly on the pulse of what the issue is. And we can talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but just to make sure we have everyone's full attention, not only did he describe this issue, but he referred to it as the challenge of our generation. He defined this very issue as the one which is going to be the overarching goal in his presidency. Um, and so I think to, to so clearly lay out very early on in his presidency that this is the topic that he feels just is deserving of his attention and of all of our attention, um, obviously carries a lot more weight than when you and I say it. So uh, it was nice that to be like in thinking along the same lines as the president, but I think that his um, drawing attention to this issue will get many other people thinking about it as well. Well, I do think he has a little wider audience than you and I have right now, but maybe our audience will grow. He has he is in a unique role as president of Israel. It's a it's a position that's different than prime minister. But prior to becoming president, he served three years as the um, executive for the Jewish Federations, the Jewish a Jewish Agency for Israel, which is mm -hmm. a strong partner with Jewish Federations of North America and federations around the world. So he has an intimate relationship with the diaspora Jewish world. And in the 90s, when I first met him, he was Minister of Diaspora Affairs for Israel. So he has a strong connection to worldwide Jewry, which... Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, what he described that he's seeing now as a change is coming from that place of his background of having worked so closely with Jewish communities around the world and in North America, particularly. And so when President Herzog says that he sees a growing rift between North American Jewry and Israeli Jewry and that it concerns him, 
he knows what he's talking about, right? Um, and he described it very clearly um, that too many American Jewish youth are simply disinterested in learning about the complex realities and challenges facing Israel, and quoting President Herzog directly from his speech to the General Assembly. And on the other hand, that far too many Israelis show little interest in Jewish life outside of Israel and lack a nuanced understanding of their sisters and brothers in the diaspora. And so that, you know, mutual lack of understanding and lack of interest in one another is what he is saying is a is a sharp change. And if not um, stopped in its tracks, will lead to a type of relationship between North American Jewry and Israeli Jewry that he would not want and, and could not imagine, right? For these two communities, which are the epicenters, as he described them, of Jewish life around the world, not to be intimately tied to one another and knowledgeable of one another and ready to uh, make their voices heard when one another is threatened in any way is not a situation that he thinks is is tenable or, you know, it's certainly not the direction that we want to be going in. So his words are great. You and I have been discussing this for some time. I feel strongly that in America, we really need to work on strengthening the value and understanding of why Israel is important to the Jewish world and why for Israel, American Jewish relationships is important for Israel. We saw a little discord a couple of weeks ago in Congress, the U.S. Congress, when um, the need for support for the Iron Dome became a significant political issue in America, uh, where most Israelis were like dumbfounded that this would be an issue because it's a defensive issue. We talked about it before. But my question to you, and one that we probably really need to work more on, is how do we take his words and do something with them, both in America and in Israel? Yeah, I think that like all complex problems, we're not going to come up with one solution, right? There's not one thing that's going to fix this. It's not just birthright, for example, as fabulous as a program as that is. And it's not just um, Israelis watching the three-part documentary that came out on Israeli television recently about American Jewish life which was an eye-opener for many Israelis, but it's certainly not going to solve the problem. Oh, hold on a second. Um, hold on a second. What was that? A three-part series? There's a, yeah, there's a documentary that's on Khan Khatisle, which is a public channel here in Israel. I think it maybe once upon a time it was channel one, even though now it's 11. I'm not sure why. Anyway, um, but uh, a well-known Israeli actor slash comedian, Guri Alfi, went and traveled across the U.S. and met all different kinds of Jews, some of whom, even as an American, I would say are not, you know, the first type of community that comes to mind when you think about Jewish communities, and certainly for Israelis are not communities that anybody knew existed. He spoke with, um, you know, some not, uh, some more benign topics like female rabbis and Jews of color. Okay, fine. We all know those are important groups to know about, maybe surprising to some Israelis. 
But he went even further, you know, off the beaten path to um, uh, programs that like focus their Judaism through express their Judaism through farming and groups that express their Judaism through hiking bar mitzvah trips and so contem- uh, contem- well we would call it America contemporary Jewish programming to build a stronger relationship to Jewish identity through alternative um, processes alternative programs. Yeah. So so he met with a lot of uh, these different communities and. And tried to really, you know, understand them and ask questions in a in a in a nice way, in a funny, not you know, judgmental way. But for Israelis who, by and large, are still only exposed to one flavor of Judaism, which is basically Orthodoxy, um, this this is very surprising. They don't know that these communities exist and take their Judaism seriously, but express it in a way that looks very different than what they're used to seeing in Israel. Anyway, I've sort of taken us off track. I'll let you come back to that. But what, was the, what was the response in Israel with this documentary? I mean, people found it interesting. I, um, I don't know how widely it was watched and how... Um, I think it's a good. I think it's a good conversation starter. So, so maybe a, maybe you could find yeah. the link for it, and we'll put it in the podcast after this. But now I'll let Absolutely. you go back. To, it will be slightly less interesting to American Jews, right? You already yeah. know. Well, maybe that not all different groups. Maybe not. I mean, I think that. Okay. I think that I, you know, because you and I have been in, involved with the Jewish world for me long, much longer than you, we're familiar with all these alternative aspects of Jewish observance. Uh, but I did not know uh, that there was a documentary about it that showed specifically for the Israeli audience. So I'm intrigued by that, and we'll we'll touch on that at another time. Oh but yeah, I, he I, has I, a he has a bar mitzvah in this series. He redoes his bar mitzvah out in the woods of like Colorado or something. It's it's very interesting. I'll I'll send the link. Okay, so I'll let you continue on with your comment uh, going back to the identity <laughs> identity piece. <laughs> if you can, if you can. Yeah, back on you, the train track that we were on. If you can remember um, what you're saying. I think what I was saying is that these are pieces of um of the solution, but we need all of them and and many more, right? Just like and maybe this documentary is a good example. Just like there are so many different ways that Jews want to live out their Judaism, there are going to be lots of different ways, I hope that uh, North American Jews want to live out their connection to Israel. And we should be welcoming all of those many different types of relationships as long as there's still a relationship, right? Um, Herzog, in addition to referring to uh, Israelis in North America, to Israelis and Jews in North America as brothers and sisters, he also continued with that family metaphor and said, look, as in any family, there's going to be differences of opinion. There's going to be people that don't get along, but we come back together. We sit at the table together and we care about at the end of the day, what happens to one another. And we feel a certain sense of responsibility. And when that ceases to happen, you're not a family anymore, but we want to be a family. (laughs) We want to be, you know, a Jewish global people. And 
So do you, and I think there are a lot of different ways that we can work toward keeping that. Yeah. True. I, I think that's right. True. I think the family uh, idea is a good one. Um, I'm going to go back to the previous president, president Rivlin, who created the four tribes to, trying to explain the Jewish world in four tribes. And towards the end of his career, he added um, the end of his time as president, he added a fifth tribe. And that was the, uh, um, Arab Israeli Palestinian Israelis uh, in Israel, and the need to kind of bring those together. I bring that up because I think one of the challenges that we have in America today, with I call the under the next generation, the under fifty age group um, in America, that uh, the social justice values in America, which are very strongly rooted in Jewish identity and, and Jewish history there seems to be a, a disconnect on what social justice means in Israel. And that that's one of the key areas. And we see that with uh, members of Congress and in some communities where they hold Israel to a much different standard, a higher, sta higher standard of social justice than in other parts of America or parts of the world. And I think that's a piece that um, President Herzog was linking to when he talked about the family and the differences of opinion. But we have work to do in those areas. Absolutely, absolutely. And, um, you know, when he talks about that younger American Jews are not interested in learning about the complex realities and challenges facing Israel, I think that is, you know, a cue for, for us and others that are interested in this topic to figure out how do we make that information more accessible? Because the obviously Israel is facing a lot of challenges. There's so much work being done in Israel today by the government, by NGOs, by um, so many organizations and so many actors to make Israel um, a more equitable and socially just society. This is a topic that is happening in Israel every day on so many levels for Arab Israelis, like you mentioned, for other marginalized groups, for the ultra-Orthodox, for people who live in the geographic peripheries. These are topics that are being addressed in Israel all the time. Israel is not a country that isn't looking at itself in the mirror and trying to, to improve. And I think for American Jews to learn that, they will be very pleasantly surprised at how proud they can be of those Jewish values being lived out in Israel every day. I, I think that's spot on. And I think that's the work that we we can do to educate American Jews as well as Israelis on some of those issues. Uh, it makes me think about uh, tomorrow uh, in America, October 11th, is has historically been Columbus Day. So over the years, there's been a move to not have it be called Columbus Day, but to call it uh, Indigenous Peoples Day or Native Americans Day because of the connection to the land that uh, America has been established on, that there were people here prior to that. And I know that in Israel, many, many years ago, the idea, and I'm not quite sure how it was embraced, but um, the Palestinian Arab narrative on Israel's independence and referring to the day of Yom Negba, Yom of Disaster, having a mutual understanding of where the different identities of people in the land, in the community, in the culture, and in the 
people uh, needs to be uh, looked at. I, I don't know what your thoughts are on that in terms of that social justice and awakening piece. I am. Um, it's certainly a conversation that's happening, right? And and similar to uh, a little bit in the United States, if you think about it, right, that, that complexity of talking about whether we call Columbus Day Columbus Day or it's Native American or Indigenous people and why there would be some questions around that you know, um, like when when do we start talking to kids about this, right? Is that something that we talk about already at the elementary school level or do we teach them the air quotes, you know, old fashioned narrative and then when they get older, we complicate the narrative by explaining. Um, and, and that very question is, I think also played out in Israel, right? Um, yes. Israelis refer to Independence Day as Independence Day. And that same date has always been referred to by the Palestinian community as the Nakba, right? Um, because if, I mean, it's, it is quite parallel to, um, to the United States. If you think about it from the perspective of indigenous peoples who were already living in a place before newcomers came in and established some sort of independence for themselves, for people who are already there, obviously that story feels very different. Um, this is something that we talk about in Israel. There, there are schools that have added it into their curriculum. I would say that it's not, um, it's not quite at the place maybe where American schools are with the narrative of Columbus and Native Americans and, you know, what you can and cannot teach and, and what's, uh, you know, politically correct and what isn't. But like all things, Israel tends to catch up. So we'll get there. Even either, if we're not there yet, we're heading in the same direction and we'll get there. It either catches up or it's been dealing with it in a shorter time period than America and other countries have been dealing with it. It, it makes me think, you know, so one of the conversations right now in America is about, you know, critical race theory and the origin of, of racism, the origins of America. We have history that tells us what the story of, of America is. We have stories that tell us what the story of Israel is. We talked a little bit about this with a previous guest, and it's not so much about the myths, it's about understanding the reality of what the big picture of both American civilization is, whether it's um, viewed through the lens of, of Native Americans or immigrants who came to America, or that of, in Israel of the um, population that has grown out of Israel's independence. Complicated issues, but we now know that it's op the opportunity is there for us to talk about it to educate individuals, to make them feel more connected to the reality of what a complicated society Israel is by really looking at how complicated America's history is as well. And of course, all of that complexity and challenges and having to really work hard to wrap your mind around something, which is exhausting and is not what people feel like doing all the time, should be balance with just coming and seeing and experiencing Israel on the ground, right? Like, I think that's the magic combination because there's only so much theoretical and, and trying to understand that one can do, but you also have to just come, 
and see like, how do we Israelis of all stripes, of all ethnic backgrounds, how do we live here? How, how does it work that we get along that you hear, you know, four or five, six different languages as you're walking down the street that, um, yeah, I mean, just I, I agree completely. You're making me think about so many different things. One of the things that uh, President Herzog did when he was uh, with the Jewish Agency was he was really proud of the Shlichim program, Shlichut, of bringing Israelis over to America and having them, you know, be the emissaries of Israel in American communities and American Jewish communities. Very strong program. It's one of the programs I believe in. Um, we have programs where Americans go over to Israel and do things also. I'm not quite sure it's as coordinated as um, mission-based piece as the uh, as the shlichim or emissary movement. I will just on a side note, we're talking about the uniqueness of Israel. Last night, um, Amy and I watched a, a YouTube video, YouTube program with Paul Hollywood. He's known for the British baking show, and he's okay. he's, he's he spent a couple of days in Jerusalem looking at the craft of bread making. And here's a, a man from England who's a baker and a TV personality, was amazed by the different cultural connections to baking into bread that he discovered in a short period of time in Israel, from, Mach, from Machne Huda uh, to the old uh, city uh, in Jerusalem, to just really going through and looking at the pieces. So, through culture, we can educate people. Through relationships, yeah. we can educate people. And I happen to think food is a great way to educate people as well. Yeah, we have a lot, a lot of bread here. Israel is not for the carb <laughs> conscious. I even learned something new in one of his episodes where he was in Masharim and uh, had um, a a falafel that was made with not your standard pita, but with a fried pita dough um, that I had not seen before. And it was like so delicious looking. Um, so I have to hmm. find a uh, falafel. Like a, like a Yemenite? Yeah. Yeah. Sort of? yeah. Okay. Yeah. But a, a fried, a fried dough, not like, not like um, Malawa, but not with. No, the, not like Malawa. But uh, it, it looked just amazing, but it's something, you know, I, I knew for me to see that in, in Israel. So um, I, I hope to be able to experience that. Well, soon. with Corona, you know, uh, everybody wasn't here for a year and a half. We have all kinds of new foods. I promise anybody who comes is going to see all kinds of new foods. We have new flavors of ice cream. We definitely <laughs> have new kinds of bread. We have all kinds of new stuff. So I'm, so I'm excited that hopefully in a couple of weeks, I'll see you in person. We'll do one of one or two of our episodes, hopefully in person, uh, as I'm in Jerusalem for just a couple of days. Um, and even though it's super early, if you want, I think to, maybe we talked about this on an early episode, or maybe when we were just doing practice ones, we had a whole conversation about Sufgan Yot, about Hanukkah yeah. jelly donuts. Yeah. They're already out. <laughs> You can even get a Hanukkah jelly donut, even though it's super early. Again, not just in the United States, right? You finish, you get through like Halloween and the Christmas decorations are already out. Well, as soon as we got done with Sukkot, the Sukkot yot were out. So that's that's good to know because when we were there for my 60th birthday uh, two years ago, I, I, and, and Sukkot yot are some of my favorite things, I was too picky and I couldn't pick out the the 
best doing it for myself. And so now I get to... one of each. That's the way. <laughs> That's the way to think, so, so we're going to do this. I'm only literally, I, I'm only in Israel for like three days, but uh, I hope you and I can make some time uh, to at least do a, a donut episode, mm-hmm. uh, but some food. Good. We have our priorities in the right. <laughs> <laughs> um, Liz, uh, this is great. I just want to point out in maybe in, in next week when we talk some more, there were some other really good episodes or good uh, sessions with the GA uh, a couple mm-hmm. that I listened to had to do with American Jewish identity and um, the connection with American Jews on how to really feel proud about being connected to Israel. And um, I think it's worthwhile for us to talk more about that. Any any okay. final comments? I am just that it's a, it's a pleasure to get to think through these topics with you. And... Uh, if people who do listen to us have things in particular that they would like to hear about, or if they have ideas for things that we haven't talked about yet that have to do with this idea of how to strengthen the relationship between North American and Israeli Jews, we're very open to, to hearing them and, and making that conversation have more partners than just you and I. And uh, yeah. So I'll make sure that we continue to put contact information in our uh, overview, uh, but I, we're we're close to almost 300 downloads. So some people are listening to us, which is good. And I look forward to more conversations with you and with other people as well. So once again, you've been listening to Israel Rebound, a podcasting connecting Jews uh, in America and to Israel and issues of cultural identity and other great things, food. Liz, mm-hmm. thank you. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Alan.